All right. Uh, Children's Church can go ahead and be dismissed. Parents, so you know, they are going to be over in the Children's Church room. Um, So they're going to head out now. All right. Um, so this morning, uh, I knew, you know, Jessica and I, after coming back from uh, our whirlwind European vacation, um, it was not really a whirlwind. We stayed in the same spot, but that's all right. Um, you know, we knew we, were, we weren't going on the uh, marriage retreat, and so I knew I was going to have to speak for, for Jeremy this morning, even before we knew there was going to be a hurricane. Um, and, and so I, you know, I had been thinking, and it's always really hard. Like, I know. Not, not many of you have that, that experience. I know Dean knows what I'm talking about, but you know, it's, uh, hey, you're going to speak for me, okay. And it's, what do you want me to talk on? And he's like, well, just whatever, whatever you feel like. Go ahead and speak on that. And it's like, great, now I've got to figure out. You know, it's like speaking in chapels and things like that. It's really hard to do that. Um, so I, I was looking through some, some stuff I had uh, spoken on before, I had taught through, and it's always easier to set up a series. Um, but then I've, I've been in churches where the, the youth pastor, the assistant pastor, does a series every time that they're, you know, they get to fill in and, and speak on Sunday morning, Sunday night, whatever it is. And you, you get part of this, and then it's like three months. And and then all of a sudden, oh, here's part two. And you're like, what is part one? Uh, so I wanted to do a series that, that we could kind of track with, but could be standalone. Um, and so we're actually going to be going through uh, a series on prayer um, so, so that we can kind of see some you know, standalone uh, looks at prayer and how we should pray and some examples in the Bible. Um, but then if it's you know, three months, four months until I speak again, you know, you're not totally lost and forget everything that I said uh, uh, and, and it doesn't actually, you know, uh, have that foundation to it. But uh, before we go any further on this, I, I found a video uh, that is from the uh, is really theologically deep about prayer. If you can see my sarcastic face uh, from the great theologian John Christ. Do you guys know who John Christ is? Okay, Varner kids, of course, John Christ. Um, he's not a theologian; he's a comedian. Just heads up. All right, so this is prayer. Uh, the the time that we always pray the most, right? Before we eat. So this is the definitive guide on how to pray before you eat. Today we're talking about pre-meal prayer. Very confusing subject. A lot of people don't know when to pray, what to pray for, how to pray, who prays. Hey, you want me to, should I pray? You want to, should we pray? I don't know. It's all very confusing. We're going to cover it all today. Let's get started. Chips and salsa. Sometimes they bring it to the table before you're even seated. There's no need to pray for that. Lots of people wonder about appetizers. Do you pray for them? Do you not pray for them? No prayer is necessary for an appetizer if you have entrees coming out later. Salad. That is the most confusing thing on the prayer continuum. If it's a side salad or an appetizer salad, no need for prayer there. Now, if it's a main course salad or you're bringing it out with the rest of everyone else's meal, that then is going to require some kind of prayer. But I put that kind of in a separate category. For the most part, when you're thinking about salads, just remember this. If it requires dressing, it doesn't require blessings. Do you No. Are you a psychopath? No one wants to be next to the person at Starbucks that's praying over a latte. You weirdo. Soup. Pray for soup. Do not pray for soup. It's only bowl-related soups. Anything smaller than that is always off the hook. I like to say, if it comes in a cup, no need to lift up. Everyone knows that you order a 
hamburger, that's going to require prayer. But if you order sliders, that does not require prayer. No glitch in the system. A lot of people are not aware of it. Potato skins, no prayer. Thanks, potato, prayer. Ask any Bible-believing Christian. They're going to have a different policy on fries. Some say never eat the fries. Some say eat as many as you want. Here's the policy on fries. Up to three fries is acceptable to eat prior to the prayer. That brings us to dessert. Always a very confusing situation. A lot of times people go out to a show, go to the and say, hey, should we grab some dessert afterward? Yeah, we had the creme brulee. I love cheesecake. You don't need to for your meal earlier in the night. Do you hold hands before you pray? That depends on your situation. If it's a personal family gathering, some close-knit Bible study of some sort, sure, a whole hand wouldn't be uncomfortable. Now, if you're on a Tinder date, that might throw up anyway. Most of the confusion surrounding pre-meal prayer comes from when to actually pray. Let me just say, on behalf of waiters all over the world, please pray when your waiter is not there. There's nothing worse than a waiter coming out with two full arms of fajitas, and you're over there mid-prayer at Jabez. Like, what are you doing? Last but certainly not least, who at the table volunteers to lead the prayer? Lots of people say the man should lead the prayer. Why is that? I'm not sure. It's 2018. Maybe we should get that rule adjusted at some point in the future. A lot of people operate under the most spiritual person at the table. They're going to be the one that should pray because that prayer is going to be the most powerful and effective. So if you got obviously a pastor, a missionary, even a Christian blogger of some sort, or even a volunteer youth pastor. That prayer is going to be a little less effective, but it's still going to qualify. <laughs> Sitting at the table with obviously more spiritual people around you, you're kind of off the hook because I feel like God would be like, hey, how come y'all didn't bless this meal? He'd be like, I don't know. Ask the pastor. He works for you. <laughs> Alright, so there you go. The uh, deep theological insight into pre-meal prayer, um, which is hilarious because the first time I had a dinner with Jeremy and his family, like we're sitting there and they bring out the rolls, you know, and Jeremy asked me, so do you pray before the rolls or not? I'm like, are you quizzing me or I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. Um, so here's what we're going to do in this series, uh, for those of you that have, you know, a mind like a steel trap and can remember as we go through this. Uh, we're going to be looking at the, the prayers of the Apostle Paul. Uh, we're going to be looking at, at different, um, different prayers of his that are recorded uh, throughout the New Testament. Because, uh, you know, as we study the Bible and we study different books that the Apostle Paul wrote, normally uh, he, he has a prayer that he puts uh, usually at the beginning, uh, sometimes beginning and end, or sometimes in the middle of his, his letters that he's writing. Uh, so we're going to be looking in the book of uh, Philippians, um, chapter 1. Uh, we're going to be looking at the prayer uh, that, that the Apostle Paul prays for the Philippians uh, as an example. Uh, but before we jump there into, into Philippians, I just know that... that when I was, was studying this and reading through, um, a, a lot of this material comes from a book by uh, Dr. Ray Pritchard. Uh, it's not a, a common name, uh, but he was one of my professors at uh, the Word of Life Bible Institute. And he's a traveling speaker, does a lot of work training um, uh, pastors and, and leaders in churches across the world. Um, a lot, he spends a lot of time in Africa. He spends a lot of time in China uh, or Korea uh, and has Chinese pastors come over for training. 
training and he spends a lot of time training them but this is one of the books that he wrote where he went through the prayers of the Apostle Paul um, and, and it's kind of one of those things we know okay we should pray right we always we pray before our food right because we're good Baptists um, uh, unless it's appetizers because we learned that just in that video but uh, we, we, we know how easy it is to pray right it's easy you don't even have to close your eyes. You can be driving and, you know, you could pray about anything that's on your heart. And it's really easy. We know it's powerful. Um, it's one of the easiest things we can do, but it's also one of the ones we struggle with the most, right? You ask a lot of Christians, and, and if they're completely honest about the, the things that they know they should be doing, the spiritual disciplines they should be doing, uh, but they're not, or they feel like they could improve more, most of them will, will mention prayer. Um, we know it's a command, right? Pray without ceasing, right? Um, it, it's a command all throughout the Bible. It tells us we need to pray. Um, and, and I think a lot of times it just comes down to us not really knowing how to pray. We don't know the right words. We don't know what to pray for, right? We get all these prayer requests and, you know, we, we hear at Community publish the list of, you know, here's all the prayer requests to pray for. And a lot of times we get bogged down in trying to read through a list and pray for anybody and everybody. And, you know, all of these prayer requests that come at us and we're constantly asking God for things. But we, we kind of feel like there's more to it, right? I tell when I teach, you know, kids or teenagers about prayer, uh, you know, we, we compare it to a conversation and, you know, how would you feel if one of your friends was having a conversation with you but it was always like, hey Luke, I need you to do this and this uh, and don't forget this and oh hey, can you do this for me? And you never, right? It, it's, not a, it's not a good conversation. That's not, it's just, you know, asking and requesting and that's it. Um, and when we read through the prayers that, that we have, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit recorded for us in God's Word, we see a little more insight into the, the prayer life of the Apostle Paul and a little bit more insight into how we should be praying. Um, and I think a great starting point is in, in Hebrews when we talk about coming into the presence of God. Um, in Hebrews 4, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Right? That's one of the awesome things. We can draw near with confidence. Right? We can come boldly into God's throne room and talk to Him. Right? The Bible tells us He's, he's our Heavenly Father. Right? So we can come and talk to Him like, like He's our Daddy. He's our Father. And we can have that confidence, right? He knows what it's like to be human. He understands us and He wants us to do that. So when we get kind of nervous and, and scared and, you know, we're praying in public, right? Forget about all that, right? You're talking to your dad. That's, that's what it is. That's what it comes down to. Um, and even when, when we struggle and, uh, and feel like our prayers are ineffective and we don't have the right words, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness, for we do not know how to uh, do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So even in those moments where we don't feel like we know how to pray, and even here it says we don't know what to pray for like we should, right? But the Holy Spirit is there interceding for us. With, with groanings too deep for words. Things that we can't even put words to. 
The Holy Spirit prays for us. He intercedes for us. So that's an amazing place to start from, right? We can have confidence and talk to God like He's our daddy. And even when we don't, and we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit's interceding for us and praying on our behalf. He's that, that go-between. That when we're, we're not sure what to say, we just have something on our heart, He's taking care of that communication for us, right? But we can learn from these prayers of the Apostle Paul. So let's look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, is where we're going to start. I think I put these up here. Yeah, there we go. All these things that I forgot to click through. Alright, Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. Let's, let's read this prayer that Paul is praying for the Philippians. He says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. So when we're reading this prayer, I don't know if it hits you the same way it hits me, but this is totally different than the way I normally pray. When I'm having my quiet time in the morning and I'm praying for things and I'm praying through you know, my, my list that I've got. And you know, Pastor Jeremy, um, I think it was last time we had the service in here, um, he, he did a, a message on prayer and the, the, the ways we can pray for our church. You know, and I'm praying through these things. But when I read the, this prayer that Paul prayed, mine just really doesn't pale in comparison. Um, so we see the things that, that Paul is praying for and, and it's really... One prayer that he's got that kind of has some other things revolving around it that kind of bring this about. So let's kind of jump into this. He starts at the very beginning. says, It's my prayer that your love may abound more and more. So it starts with love. This is what Paul, Paul was praying for. Love. Um, and, it, and it kind of makes us think, alright, love for whom? Right? What, what is, where is this love coming from? And, and all of that. The thing is, is that, that it's both for God and for others, right? Our love for God that's leading us to show God's love for other people. And Paul, when he's praying this, he says that your love may abound more and more, right? So when he's writing to the Philippians, he knew the Philippians, he was there and he had founded that church, and, and he knew their love for each other. He knew that that's something that they were... Uh, they were known for, right? And as you read through the book of Philippians and read through Acts and the, the historical account of the founding of that church, you see that love and the commitment for each other. But Paul is praying that it abounds more and more, right? That it keeps growing. So that's something we can pray for, for each other, right? That our love here within our church keeps growing. Our love for God and our love for others. Um, but he goes on, and, and there's some things that says, with knowledge and all discernment, right? So love is developed with knowledge and discernment. Those two things help develop that love in our life, knowledge and discernment. Um, but we kind of need to get into this and figure out, okay, what is knowledge? Knowledge of what, right? And discernment. Um, so knowledge is actually, uh, the, the Greek word is epignosis, Okay, which is experiential knowledge. Um, this is something, right, you, you, when you study different 
books of the Bible, especially 1 John, uh, you see that there was a, a heresy that was going around called Gnosticism, right? And these people that, that kind of followed this, this heresy, and it was kind of like a, a spin-off of Christianity, almost like a Christian cult, where they kind of would acknowledge Jesus, but then it claimed that they had more knowledge, right? They had a superior knowledge. And so John, when he wrote 1 John, um, would talk a lot about knowledge. And he used this, this phrase here, Epignosis. It's not just a, a head knowledge, but the experiential knowledge. Uh, and it kind of makes me think of uh, in science class, right? Teenagers, do you guys like science class? Who liked science class in high school, right? I did not like science class because we didn't do very many labs, right? That's just how our teacher didn't do many labs with it. That was the cool part, right? I want to blow stuff up. So I want to go do the science lab stuff. Uh, and we got to, you know, dissect a frog once. That was pretty cool. Um, right? Luke, am I making you gag? Right? Um, you know, so that, that was the cool stuff, right? You get to experience the stuff. It's one thing to learn it from a book. It's another thing to actually take that knowledge you've learned from a book and apply it and experience how that actually works, right? You can experience, you can read all about how to dissect a frog and all the parts of a frog. It's another thing to actually have the rubber gloves on and a scalpel in your hand and freaking out the girl that's next to you because you're pulling out the liver and showing it to her, right? It's totally different. Um, so when, when Paul is praying that their love increases because their knowledge increases, he's saying he wants them to experience what God is all about. Right? And the only way that we can really develop that is as we live our life walking with Christ. Right? We learn from God's Word. And this is a great thing. We need to study God's Word. We need to learn it. Right? Here at Community, Pastor Jeremy will preach through the book of the Bible. Right? Over two years. And we should have a really good working knowledge of the book of Hebrews. Right? Head knowledge. Teenagers, I know we study theology on Sunday nights. Right? And we can study these things, and it's another thing to go and live them out and experience how God blesses us. And as we, we experience that, the blessing of God, the protection of God by living out the things that we've learned through His Word, that helps us fall more in love with Him. Right? And we can, our love for God will, will grow more and more. So that experiential knowledge, um, kind of on a negative side, when Paul was writing to Timothy, he actually talked about people who had the head knowledge but didn't experience, they didn't live it out. In 2 Timothy 3, he says, For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened by sin and led astray by various passions. Here's the point. Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Right? So these people that were... were in there as heretics and, and leading people in the church astray. They were always learning, filling their head with knowledge, but never able to come to a true knowledge of the truth, an experiential knowledge, right? They weren't living it out. God's Word that they had, they had heard and knew in their head, they didn't live it out. Um, so our knowledge, our experiential knowledge will help us fall more in love with God and help our love increase more and more. And that also kind of goes along with discernment. Right? So discernment is actually insight or the application of that experiential knowledge. Um, again, this is developed with our time with God. 
right? We talk about, we've got our apologetics conference, right? And you think about the, the false teachings out there and the different things that, that we need to be ready to defend our faith against. And the best way we can do that is to have that experiential knowledge of God that then we can apply to the situation. So when we hear a coworker say something, or we hear a song on the radio sing something, right? And we, we it, just our ears kind of perk up and say, wait a second, that's not right, right? We can discern what's true and what's false. It's like when uh, uh, you're looking at a, a counterfeit bill. When I worked at Chick-fil-A in Raleigh, um, this was... Well, probably 2008, 2009, um, I was working there and we actually had a guy visit us from the FBI uh, and he came in and he was saying, yeah, there's an influx of counterfeit $50 bills in the Raleigh-Durham area, uh, so we're telling all of the, the businesses to be on the lookout for it. You know, and we had kind of, you know, we got little pins that you can mark and it's yellow if it's a real bill and it turns black if it's not, you know, if it's just paper, if it's not right. Um, and there's different ways you can, you can spot a counterfeit bill and so this this FBI agent kind of trained the managers who then trained the rest of us to to spot these counterfeit bills and the point is when when they're training an FBI agent or they're training people that work at a business to spot a counterfeit bill they don't go through and explain well here's all of the different counterfeits that you might see no they, they train you on what an actual bill looks like right how it feels um, you know, you, you, uh, if you have a piece of paper, you can actually snap your fingers with a piece of paper in it. If you have a, a bill, like a 20 or a 1, you, you can't snap your finger because it's actually cloth. It's not paper, right? This is one of the things that they taught us. You know, they're, they're checking that out, right? Uh, so, so when you are looking at this and you're trying to figure out, discern, is what this person telling me true or false? Is what this song teaching me true or false? Is this thing that I'm reading on Facebook or this thing in the newspaper, you know, is this true or false? The best thing we can do is compare it to what we know to be true, God's Word, and then how we, in our knowledge of God's Word and how we've lived that out, and the experience we've had with Christ, how does that compare? And that will help us be able to discern what God has for us. Be able to discern whether th something's true or false. And that discernment, right, the application of our knowledge will help us greatly, right? And our love for God will want, make us want to use that discernment, right? When we, we love God and then we see something that is contrary to the character of God, we're going to want to point that out, right? Because we know God's not like that. Um, and, and so we can, we can use that in our lives and it'll help us lovingly speak the truth. So that's kind of the starting point of Paul's prayer. He's, he's praying for love that it increases while at the same time our experiential knowledge of God increases and our discernment of what we're seeing in the world is increasing. Um, and then he kind of gets into the, the main heart of his prayer here in Philippians chapter 1. Um, that the love rooted in our relationship with God leads to us approving excellence. It says, approve the things that are excellent. Another way to say this is that we're going to choose the best things. We're going to choose the best things, right? Approve, that means to judge or determine. 
right, and excellent, right, it's standing out from the rest, or it's, it's of more value than other things. Um, let me see if I've got that, choosing the best things. So we're going to approve the things that are excellent. When we're seeing, right, we're using that discernment, and we look around and we see different things in the world or in our spiritual lives and the decisions we're making, we want to choose the best things, right? A lot of times we're presented with choices that are maybe not right and wrong, but are good and better, or good and best. And Paul's prayer for the Philippians is that they choose the best things, and they don't just settle for, you know, good enough. Too often in our spiritual lives, we, we settle for good enough, right? We, we have our quiet time and, and, you know, read through it and, you know, answer the questions. What is the writer saying? How can I apply this to my life, right? If you're using the Word of Life quiet time. And that's, okay, that's good, right? I had my quiet time, good, check that off, right? But are you really getting into it, right? Is that what's best, Right? We're making decisions on, you know, maybe big family or job-related decisions. And we've, we've got these options. And we should be praying for ourselves and for others that when we make these decisions, we can discern what's the best thing. Right? Maybe not, maybe not what, what is the best thing financially, but what's the best thing spiritually? Right? What is the best thing for our family in this situation? Is this the, the best way I can spend my time to have ministry and an impact on other people? What's the best way I can handle this situation with my children so that they can grow up to be God-glorifying young men and women? Right? We've got all of these things and, and we sometimes just go and, and let good enough pass. And too often we do that over and over again and then the time is wasted and we look back and say, you know what, I could have, I could have spent my time better. Or I could have made better decisions here along the way. So that's a prayer. Because of our, our love for God and the knowledge of Him and our discernment, we can choose the best things. And if we do that, it'll lead to, it'll lead to a couple of things. Okay, The results of, of constantly consistently choosing the best things, um, we see here in this passage, it, it makes us sincere. Right? Sincere and blameless. Uh, so sincere here, the, the Greek word, it, it kind of has two different meanings. In Latin, the Latin word for sincere that we bring over into English, we just kind of transliterate it. Sincerai, right? which literally means without wax. Um, or the Greek term, which comes along with it and, it and has the same word picture, is sun judged. And what this is a picture of is, is pottery. Okay? Uh, does anybody here make pottery or sometimes in your, you know, you well, like to pretend and like you're good at it? That's what I do. I pretend that I'm good at it and put things in. I remember I had, my brother had this pottery wheel when we were kids and we would try and make mom a coffee mug for her, her birthday or for Mother's Day, something like that. It was terrible. But with, with that, you've got the clay, right? And you get it all nice and round and you try and make it all pretty and then you put it in the oven so that it can harden. And if you don't do it right, a crackle form in this in this pottery, right? So back then in the first century, you'd go through the market and there are these pottery vendors, right, set up in the market and they would have their, their tent with all the different pottery and some was sitting under the tent and some stuff was outside the tent and all that. And obviously if this was your job, 
and you spend all that time making a pot and then it cracks in the oven, right, when you're trying to dry it. That's a lot of wasted time and money to make this pot. So what they would do is if it had a crack, they'd rub wax in it, kind of rub dirt in that, and then it would look like it was good and they could sell it, right? Uh, which then if you bought that pot and took it home and it was exposed to heat somehow, you put water in it and set it next to the fire, then the wax would melt and you see there's a crack and all the water would run out, right? So you, you didn't want to make sure, you wanted to make sure your pot didn't have cracks in it uh, because then it's useless, right? Uh, it's like Josh's holy bucket when we were out there using the sump pump with all the holes in it and the water runs out. Um, you don't want a holy pot, okay? It's not good. So what they would do is they, they had this word, they said that the pot was sincere, it was without wax, right? So you knew that it was a good pot. And the way you would tell that there are two different ways. Um, if, if you thought this vendor was shady, you'd go under their tent and you know, you'd look at a pot and you liked it, you thought you were going to buy it, you'd go out and hold it up to the sun and you could tell then the, the change in texture and you'd be like, there's some wax here, so this is not worth as much money, right? Because I can't use it for cooking and different things. Another way, if a vendor wanted to prove to you that the pot was sincere without wax, they would put it out uh, from under their tent so that the heat of the sun would shine down on it all day and they would even put up signs sometime that said this is without wax because it's been sun judged, right? The sun is beating down on it, heating it up and you can tell that this pot is sincere, right? Without wax. So Paul, when he's praying, he wants these Philippians and us, by extension, to choose the best things in our lives. So that when it comes down to it, our lives can be like that pot. They can be sincere, without wax, right? We don't have any cracks in our lives, right? We're, we're useful. And our lives should be that way. Um, that, that we can be used by God because we're choosing the best things. That, that our lives are sincere so when we uh, you know, are, are there in front of the world, they can look at us and see that example of of Christ living through us, right? If our lives are sincere, they're without wax. The other th word that, that Paul uses here is uh, without offense or, or blameless. Let's see, put it up here. Um, and really that's talking about, you know, standing out um, or it's, it's of more value. Um, and, and we're not, we're, we're inoffensive to other people. Right? Now, obviously, on one side, that the gospel is, is it is offensive. Right? People don't like to hear that they're a sinner and that they need a Savior. But when we're living our lives and, and we're without offense, we're blameless right? in the way we live and the way we present ourselves to the world, then that opens more opportunities for us to share the gospel. Paul, when he was speaking to the Corinthians... He told them, give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. So really he's saying, you know, be that, be that person that can be that example, right? You're not a stumbling block to other people. They don't look at your life and say, you know what, something's not right there, right? You say one thing, but then you've got this over here that's not quite right. But if we're using the discernment, Right? based on our knowledge of God and our relationship with Him. We're choosing the best things. Our life is sincere. We're not going to cause those stumbling blocks to people. We can be that example to them 
Uh, and that, that opens up the opportunity for us to, to share the gospel and to be a witness. Right? It's so awesome when, when we can just live our lives like normal and then have those gospel conversations that come up with friends and neighbors and family and co-workers because we're just living our lives the way God has told us to, the way we've been commanded. And that is an awesome thing when it just comes up naturally in those conversations and you can use those opportunities to share the gospel. Um, and even in a situation like we're in now here in eastern North Carolina, a hurricane comes through and we as the church, as Christians, can live our lives in a way that's inoffensive to people and we're ready that in, the, in an emergency when somebody knows that they need help, we can be there and be sincere and be blameless, be without offense and, and share the gospel with people. Because right now, even as people are hurting, and it's, you know, it's a financial hurt, right? They've lost homes and businesses, or they're rebuilding and things like that. There's, there's that hurt there, but the, the gospel is the answer, right? Why do we even have hurricanes? It's because of sin. The whole earth is cursed, right? And so the answer for that is the gospel. Um, and we can, we can use these opportunities to share that. Um, but it starts with us living our lives the way they should, so that we can be that light. We can be sincere. We can be blameless. And so from that, we've got being sincere. We've got without offense or blameless. Uh, and Paul goes on and he says there's going to be righteous living. Right? He says the, the, the fruit of righteousness. And so this is just like you know the fruit of the Spirit. This is not something that, that we do, but something that God does through us. Right? As we're... As we're making the best choices, approving the things that are excellent in our lives, the Holy Spirit produces that righteous living in us, right? Because we can try as hard as we want, and we can't live righteous lives. Um, we still have that sin nature inside of us. The Holy Spirit working through us can produce that righteous living. Um, it, it's kind of like when, when you've got a tree... Um, and if that tree is good and healthy, it'll produce the fruit, right? But if you go all the way down to the root of the tree, and if the root is messed up, if it doesn't have a strong root system, if the roots are decaying because they've been sitting in floodwaters for three weeks, uh, then the tree is not going to live and produce fr fruit very much. Um, and it's the same way in our lives, right? That root in our relationship with God is where that starts. And He then produces the fruit of righteous living through us. And at the end, it just comes down to being God-glorifying. At the end of the day, our love for God and our love for others, the knowledge, the discernment, all of these things should come to one point. And that's glorifying God. Right? We're putting Christ on display by the way we live. Right? We're pointing people to Jesus. And that's, that's what it's all about. So when Paul is praying for the Philippians, he's praying this and, and he's, he's praying for their love. He's praying for the knowledge. He's praying for the discernment. But the reason he's doing all of this is not so that they're super Christians. He's praying it so that, that God is glorified. And that really should be our ultimate goal, right? Getting our eyes off of ourself and putting it on Christ. Um, taking our, ourselves out of the spotlight 
and putting Jesus in the spotlight. Uh, if you've been reading through Quiet Time in the, the book of Job, right? we just finished, started uh, Psalms this morning, but uh, in the Word of Life Quiet Time, we read through Job, which my dad posted something funny as we were getting ready for the hurricane, and that passage that morning was that uh, you know, Job's children were all in the same house, and a strong wind came and knocked him down, and they all died. And he was like, man, this is kind of ominous, you know? Was, Florence is coming in. But uh, you read through Job, right? And you see all of these bad things that Job is going through. Right? His children all died. Uh, his you know, fortune was lost. Right? All of his livestock, all of his servants were killed. Uh, his wife kind of turned on him at that point and told him to curse God and die. And he's sitting through this horrible time. And then there's you know, 40-some chapters of Job's friends trying to counsel him with not very good counsel. And Job's response, kind of a defensive response back to his friends and they keep going back and forth back and forth and you get to the end of the book and you realize you know Job was allowed to go through this trial and even though he was never given a, a reason why the point was he was just told trust God right get your eyes off yourself and give God the glory right even for the bad things that happen in your life give God the glory and I thought that was, it was so awesome to get through it and, and, and read this again um, and, and how God works in our lives. And the, the point that God was trying to get, get Job at through these trials was that it's, it's not about you, right? The bad things that happen to you even are not about you. They're about God. So when we pray these prayers for ourselves, for our family, for our church family, right? We, we're praying these and we want them to grow. We want their love to grow. We want them to know more about God and their relationship with God to flourish. But at the end of the day, it's not about them. It's about God. And if we as a church are praying this for each other and if we are growing individually, we're going to be growing together as a church, as spiritual maturity, but it's not even about our church. It's not about Community Baptist getting out there and sharing the gospel and our church growing numerically. No, it's about bringing God glory. And at the end of the day, if that's what we're doing, then we're successful. So I want you guys to, to be thinking about that. You know, we, we should be praying this prayer for other people. We should be praying that our knowledge of God grows. That that produces that, that discernment where we can choose the best things in our lives. We don't settle for good or good enough. But we choose the best things. And that will result in a pure, sincere, righteous life that glorifies God. So if you want something to pray... Look here, Philippians chapter 1, right? And you can look ahead at, at all the prayers of Paul and you can see great examples of things we should be praying for, for each other. And I want to encourage you guys, pray through this this week. Pick somebody, a friend, a family member, somebody in our church, and pray this prayer for them this week. You can even just read it right off the pages, right? Or you can put it in your own words, and another thing I'd encourage us to do 
which I think is awesome. We, we have this written down because the Apostle Paul actually wrote out his prayers. And that's a great encouragement. I've had people write me notes and say, Hey, Nate, I'm praying for you. Right? And we can say that. Hey, I'm praying for you. But are we really? One. Two, it's so much more encouraging when I get a note that says, Nate, I've been praying for you that XYZ. Right? So you can write out a note to somebody. Right? That, that you have been praying for them. Hey, this is what I've been praying. And, and just write it out. Right? You can copy these verses if you want to. You can write your own. However you want it. That's such an encouragement. And if we'll actually do that, it's amazing what God will do through our prayers. Right? He's chosen to use that mode of communication, prayer, as one of the things that He, he uses to work in our lives and in the lives of other people. So let's be praying this for each other. That God will work in us that our love will increase, our knowledge of Him will increase, we'll be able to choose the best things, and that through that, God will be glorified by the way we live. Let's pray. God, I thank You so much for these, these prayers that we can read and learn from. We know that they're, they're all over the Bible, places where we can, we can take these examples that You've written down for us. God, I just pray for us that our love for You and our love for each other would continue to grow. God, I pray that, that we would get to know You better and our relationship with You would grow because we're living out the truth of the Word. I just pray that You'd help each and every one of us to choose the best things in our lives. When we're presented with a choice and uh, we're not sure which one to take, I just pray for the discernment and the wisdom to choose the best things. God, I pray that You would use us, especially over the coming weeks in our community, as, as our community is healing from this hurricane that came through and the flooding afterwards. I know even a number of our own church members were, were greatly affected by that and uh, many more in our community. God, I just pray that You'd use us as Your hands and feet to reach these people. That through our lives, shining as the, the light in the darkness, God, that we would point people to You. And through it all, I pray that You'd be glorified. That You would glorify Yourself because of the, the lives that Your children are living here in this community. God, we thank You and praise You for everything You've done and everything You're going to do. We pray this in Your name. Amen. Alright, thank you very much everybody for coming. Uh, don't forget, no clubs tonight. Um, no Bible study or anything. Uh, but it, the ladies are meeting in the kitchen. Those of you going on October 6th. And if we can get some more to, people to help uh, unload that bay, that would be awesome. Thank you.